Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day 16 of the 7 a.m. Novelist March March Writing Challenge. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today, we hear from novelist Rita Wood and Nancy Crusher and their author's journey of getting to yes. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Thank you so much for being on the show. For 13 years, Nancy Crusher chronicled the ups and downs of family life, including her obsession with George Clooney, in her humorous newspaper column, The Motherload. Then her children grew up and left home. This left her with no choice but to try fiction. She quit her job in educational publishing, took courses at Grub Street, and now she's debuting her novel, Graceland, um, a comic road novel involving three generations of women. It'll be published by Avon Harper Collins on May 30th. Rita Woods was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. She's a graduate of Howard University College of Medicine. She currently serves as medical director of a wellness center that provides care for millions for uh, members of one of the largest trade unions in the nation. So Rita actually does really important things. <laughs> and we're really glad to have her with us here. She lives in suburban Chicago with her family, where she also serves as trustee of her local library board. She loves magic, books, history, coffee, traveling, not necessarily in that order. She is the author of the award-winning novel, Remembrance. Her newest novel, The Last Dreamwalker, will be published in September of 2022. So we have both of these folks are going to be having new books coming out in the next few months. So that's very, very exciting. Yay! But it took both of you... I mean, a lot of time, and I see this with a lot of women as well, they have their work lives, they raise their kids, um, and then they're able to to turn their attention to to their books and their writing. So it takes them a little bit, a little while to get there. So when I when I asked both of these guys, okay, tell us your author's journey. And what do you think would be like a, a title for your author's journey? I think it was Nancy who first said, I, let's call it getting to yes, because it can take a while um, to get to yes. Um, Nancy, how did you get to yes? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even um, thinking about talking about the many years that I, you know, spent um, writing other stuff, wanting to write the novel. Um, when I was thinking about getting to yes, I was thinking that the the tough part for me was getting an agent. Yeah. Um, and once I had an agent, it happened, the book deal happened very quickly. And I know people have the opposite experience too. Um, people can get an agent and then have trouble getting the book deal. Um, but for me, it was um, a frustrating um, experience because, uh, you know, it, it can take a while for anyone. I, I think it, it's possible that, you know, the average time is something like a, a year to get a, an agent and, and some people do it much quicker again. Um, but um, my journey took a year if you don't count the time when I took back my manuscript because I was not having success. So I spent about eight or nine months querying. Yeah. Um, with what I thought at first was great success. A lot of agents asked for the full um, and I kept getting just the, the loveliest rejections. I, I papered a whole wall with them that because because they were so nice that, you know, your characters are great, your writing's great. I just don't have the vision um, for it right now or it's just, I, I don't, um, you know, quite uh, see myself representing this. And I, I had trouble figuring out exactly what that meant. Um, Do you think you know now? 
Well, I, I do have greater insight. I mean, and, and two people offered insight. One, you know, was you, Michelle, who said um, getting an agent is very much like like dating. Um, yeah. You can, uh, it's, the, it's there's nothing wrong with the other person, he or she, or they just may not be your particular taste. And the same is true with agents. I think we've all loved books that we've recommended to friends and they kind of say, meh, yeah, I don't, I don't just don't love it. So the agent, you know, has, has to really love the book because they can represent so few that it just, and, um, and they have to be talking about the book and living with the book for a very long time and repeatedly talking about the book for a very long time. So it's like, I don't know, representing your own child and having to remain excited even while Tommy is picking his nose, you know, so <laughs> you still love Tommy, hopefully. Um, so it's, it's yeah, they really have to, to believe in it so much, even when repetition begins to wear down um, their enthusiasm, they have to be fully in love with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, other, um, the other insight, I got from my agent when, when this was all over and I, I said, you know, we were having a conversation. I said, what did it mean when people said they just didn't have the vision? And I think, you know, there's a couple things happening there. Agents have their own wish lists of things that they want to, to represent. And perhaps they're just dying for a thriller. And um, so if you're a thriller, you may not be exactly, maybe your manuscript needs more work, but they're maybe more willing to work with you on that because this is something they're, they're really uh, trying to represent. Whereas if it's um, just something that, you know, it's a manuscript that, gosh, I, it wasn't something I, I exactly know how to sell. It's kind of good. Uh, I, I think I can see it, this person being successful, but it's not on my either my list of things that I do well or on my list of things I really wanted to acquire this year. So I think that manuscript has to be really polished, ready to go. And I think that's what happened when I took it back for a year and just um, cut the word count, um, just really worked with a development editor, just made sure it was polished. And then um, when I started querying again, the success came much more quickly. Great, great. But also thinking about just like in dating, it's not always you, you know, they, they mm -hmm. have certain things in mind, certain goals, certain things that they're looking for and certain uh they might have past experiences with a similar book that they don't want to go down that same road again, or they're particularly good at, at representing that sort of thing. It's not always, it's not always you. Um, I'm getting feedback now. I don't know why that's happening. Um, Rita, how about you? Um, just real quickly, The Last Dreamwalker came out this past September. So just oh, 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 that's right. 2022. Yeah. See, I, it's too early in the morning, so I don't even know what year it is. But her book is already out, so you can get the book already. Thank you, Rita. So I had a, a little bit of a different experience um, to kind of harken back a little bit to what you um, alluded to in the beginning in terms of the divergent paths that women seem to take a little bit more frequently. You know, my thing is I knew I wanted to be a writer from the very beginning, from um, the delivery room, but, um, my parents were very adamant about, I needed to get a job with health insurance. You know, yeah. So 
you know, they, they were very old school in, in the sense of, oh, writing's lovely, art, the arts are lovely, but dance, you know, whatever. But you need a kind of a nine to five, not the medicine's nine to five, but you know what I mean? You need a yeah. more corporate approach to your life and then writing can be done on the side. So there were long periods of time, as you mentioned, you know, you're raising kids, building a career, and it just didn't happen the way I wanted. I would have, I had envisioned doing it. Um, once I actually started writing again, and real quick story, I was actually lobbying on the Hill and ran into some other lobbyists who only, who knew me like as a teenager, way, way back. It was, um, these were old relationships. And they only knew me as someone who was writing all the time. And even though we were both on Capitol Hill, and so clearly I wasn't writing, their first response, oh, what have you written lately? And that was this huge catalyst for me to start doing it again. Um, I got an agent fairly quickly, but in terms of selling the book, that was a whole different thing altogether. Um, part of it was, she said from the onset, outset that she wanted to only go big five. Um, she had this that can be a it. big, that can be a problem. Yeah. Um, I normally, so when you're looking for agents, I normally recommend that you ask agents ahead of time. Yeah. Are they willing to go beyond the big five? Because the problem is, though, maybe you got around the problem. The problem is if, if they burn out on the big five, then they're done. Yeah. Um, there's so many other houses that they can go to, um, but they just don't make as much money on those houses. So did you stay with that agent? I did. Um, so there's a little bit of a caveat and I, and, and maybe the people listening are way more advanced and sophisticated than I was. I didn't even know in my mind, big five meant nothing to me. Right. I, um, it's like, oh, okay. So I didn't really understand where everybody sort of sat in the hierarchy of publishing. That just wasn't my world. And to your point, which I think is excellent, that's a kind of a question to ask the agent but I didn't know that was even a question to ask, right? It was, yeah, I have an agent, she wants it published. Yeah, yeah. So and she had a vision for my, my career and I don't think I was even that far along in thinking about it as a career or, and I certainly didn't have the sophistication to say, well, what about indie presses? What about smaller houses? That just wasn't even in my head. Yeah. Um, so there was that period where they, you know, it was making the rounds to all these um, these publishing houses, and it was a it was a huge learning experience because the the acquisition editor would get really excited about it, and I didn't understand that then it was a sort of a protocol, an algorithm, and she would, then they would take it to marketing, and in at least. You know, Random House and Simon Schuster, it kept getting that far where acquisitions was really excited. They get it to marketing and it was like, eh. Um, and which basically killed the deal, right? So um, to the earlier point where, the, like you said, you can only burn through the top five because there's only five of them. The agent actually elected to pull the book completely. Oh. Um, and... So I just kept writing in the interim. So we're talking a year or two. Yeah. And um, then she then she put it on submission again. And this time it got bought by Macmillan and Forge. Um, 
And did you but revise were, it in between? No, I actually, I mean, this is how not part of, that has changed, but I don't think I was even an active participant in how all of this was going on. So yeah. everything she would say to me, I'm like, okay, okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't know the questions to ask. And I also, in hindsight, I realized I really wasn't um, advocating for myself or even involved in the whole process. I just sort of handed the manuscript off and just waited. So yeah. the, that's a long answer saying, no, I didn't revise it at all. To be perfectly honest, I was working on the next novel. And um, when she called out of the blue and just and I and, and she to her credit, she was calling every six months just to check in. Nice. But she called, so I thought this was just another check-in call. And she called and to say, Oh, congratulations. And she, you know, aren't you excited? And she just had a baby. So I thought she was referring to that. And I said, Oh, congratulations to you. And so what are you talking about? Well, the baby. And she literally said, I don't care about the baby. I'm calling about the book. What baby? So, you know, but there was like a couple year interval between, it might have been almost four years, uh, acquiring the agent and selling the book, the first book. Wow, that's a nice phone call to get. Um, yes. But Rita, your experience, I think, is a like is like most most people's experience. They don't really know the business. They don't. They don't. You know, they're they're not getting an instructor whispering in their ear. You need to ask this question. You need to ask this question. Um, and so, I actually think a lot of people, even listening um, to the podcast and watching the webinar, are are more like having like your experience. Mm-hmm. And what's great is that you were working on, so you were probably working on The Last Dreamwalker as, and then you just found out that this other, yeah, that's pretty fun. That's, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good story. Um, so someone in our chat asked, well, why would an agent burn, burn out? That's not really the right terminology after only pitching to the big five. So the problem is, is that some agents, um, well, agents need to make money. They're in many ways, they're like uh, real estate agents and they, mm-hmm. um, and they can't, um, you know, they might have really big clients. They might have some big, like, you know, series that, that are the ones that they make their, their money off of. Um, and then they might have some love projects of smaller books, fiction, literary fiction, that sort of thing that they're not expecting to make a lot of money on. But, but some of them don't have those big ticket items to sell. So they need to make money off of the smaller pieces. And so they'll only go to the big five because that's where they make the biggest amount of change for their commissions. Um, and beyond that, for them, it's simply not worthwhile um, the work involved is not worthwhile to go for those smaller commissions. And so, and actually the, the more that an agent sells to the big five and sells quickly, they'll rank higher in terms of, uh, this is the top hottest selling agent in the country. So it actually makes them look better if they very quickly cycle through writers and get them to sell. And then sadly, they'll, they'll oftentimes drop a writer if they don't sell in the first five. They'll be like, well, we're done with that book. Um, what else do you got? Or, or they'll just drop the client altogether and you won't, you won't hear from them again. So, um, so it can be, um, it can be, it can be a problem. Um, Nancy, you said you worked with a developmental editor. How did you find that person and how was that process? Actually, I found that person through through Grub Street. Okay. Um, yeah, there there was um, something where yeah a, a program they were running where you could send 
uh, a couple chapters in your query letter to somebody and um, that person responded and seemed to be in sync with my novel. So I asked her to read the, the whole thing. Yeah. So Grub Street, other writing organizations. And actually, if you begin to look for a developmental editor, and so people are like, why would I want to do a developmental editor? It's because you are have gotten blind to your own book. You don't know how to fix it. You really need that outside uh, view of it. And um, and so you're just like, oh, please just help me. <laughs> um, if you look for developmental editors on the web, you will find lists of thousands. Um, so, and I'm getting a lot of feedback today. Um, Susan, um, Susan's asking in the chat, how do you define developmental editors? So, so Nancy, how do you define a developmental editor? Yeah. Well, it's funny you should ask because actually that was my job in publishing for about 35 years, but I was, I worked in educational publishing, but it's the same concept. Um, and a developmental editor can run the gamut um, through a number of, uh, through different depths of uh, responding to your manuscript. Um, and they will often negotiate with you about, you know, what do you, how, how deep do you want me to go? Um, but I mean, if, if you, um, you know, there are developmental editors who will edit you on the, on the, the word and sentence level, there are developmental editors who will give you a, you know, a five page overview of the plot problems. And there's everything in between what I had um, the developmental editor do, because I was fairly polished at that point was just um, give me a big picture overview, which helped me kind of eliminate some tangents, little, little uh, threads that didn't need to be there. And, um, and I said, only, you know, only line edits where something is really bothering you. So she'd, she'd put little comment bubbles and say, oh, you know, I think this, this is, this joke is, is hitting this funny line and, you know, this one isn't, or um, can you just explain this a little bit further? Yeah. Yeah. And so the developmental editor will do yeah, whatever you, you want them to do. Um, I guess they could be called the same as a book coach, but but some developmental editors will even work with you from the ground up as, you, as you're building your book and working on your book. Um, they will help you and almost work with you like an instructor. Um, and uh, so how much, uh, Nancy, are you, are you willing to share how much you paid for that just so people have an idea or, or or kind of an idea of, of the other developmental editor costs that you were finding. I'm trying to I'm trying to actually remember it's that's terrible, but um, I you know I suspect you a lot of developmental editors will um, they'll charge sort of on give you a, a project fee based again on how much how deep you want them to go. So I think you know the person that I worked with said. I charge, I think she almost charged by, by, by word, which sounds, which is different to me, but, you know, if you want me to line edit, it's this much per word. If you want me to a bigger overview, it's, it's this much. And so, I mean, it can run, it's not cheap. It can run into, you know, a couple thousand dollars, I think at, at a minimum, um, that would be my, my guess, you know, maybe even even just a broad overview might be like twelve hundred dollars or something like that. 
Yeah, I paid a, a developmental editor and that was about five years ago. Um, and she was actually an old editor of mine that had left the publishing house and I really wanted her feedback. So I'd worked with her before. So I paid her $2,000 for that. And that was about five, seven years ago. And a friend of mine just was looking at developmental editors and uh, she got a recommendation from a friend. And when she asked how much it was, it was $6,000. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a lot of money. So it can be several thousand, but it also depends on how much they do for you. Um, and so Rita, have you, you were kind of nodding with this idea of developmental editor, but I don't know, it sounds like maybe you didn't have to work with a de developmental editor. Oh, yeah. Cause you uh, were able to work to work, go forward on your, did you have to make a lot of edits on your novels after you sold them to, to the house? Um, so on the first novel of uh, Remembrance, um, it, that was a, some the changes that were made are kind of peculiar. So um, they went to the it went to the house, um, and I they sent it back with some minor revisions the first time. I mean, very minor. And then the my editor actually rearranged all the chapters. So we're talking, you know, um, a three hundred page, three hundred fifty page novel. Chapter 11 was chapter two. She wanted chapter one to disappear altogether, chapter 11 to become chapter 20. And, and it, as you know, as any writer knows, that's like pulling the thread on a sweater. You know, yeah. once if you grab hold of that thing, the story kind of unravels in a way. So the, uh, internally, there were not a tremendous amount of changes, um, but by rearranging the chapters in, I'm going to be honest, it was much better that way. But yeah. rearranging the chapters, of course, now you have continuity issues. So there, it was more doing that kind of thing. Like make, so-and-so can't have died in this chapter because there's this big wedding three chapters later. Um, right. So there were more continuity issues. Um, and certainly it did change, by re rearranging the chapters, it sort of changed the tension and the arc a little bit. And I, I, I agree, I thought it was much, much better after I got over my hair on fire bit <laughs> yeah 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 because I I have also heard from writers they're like well I don't want an editor because I don't want them to to write my book for me and I'm like well that's not really what they're doing but but hopefully they will they'll give you feedback or even do that sort of thing that in the end makes the book better um right. even though at first you're like I'm I want to kill you you know <laughs> this right. is my book. what are you doing um yeah. Uh, but that's, that sounds great. That's, that's, so those are big changes because again, yeah, you, you're unraveling the whole book and having to build it again. Did you have to do that for the last Dreamwalker? And that's, that's sort of a different thing. So they sent it back. They loved it. There were some very minor um, things that they wanted changed, but I'm going to be honest. I had written it several years before that was sort of in that, um, that hiatus when Remembrance was on was not on sub. I was rewriting, so it had been sitting cold for, I don't know, probably two years at that point. And honest, to be honest, I actually just sent it um, along with one or two other manuscripts because they were kind of pushing hard. Do you have anything else? Hmm. So they bought that, and when it came back to me with the minor edits, honestly, I hated it. I hated the book. It's like you bought this? I can't stand. So they were like, oh, you know, you can send it back in 90 days or whatever the timeline was. 
and I and I asked for much longer because I was like I and I almost completely wrote that book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think as you and I, I've I've said this before, and, and people have repeated it back to me. Exhaustion does not mean completion, and and hating your book also doesn't mean completion because you do you do get to that point where you want to you know you want to burn it and bury it and then dig it up again and burn it again and cut it into little pieces, um, you know, and it, you just reach that point. Um, so both of you probably now, Nancy, did you have to do a lot of edits once you sold the book or once, even after you found the agent? Um, very light. Yeah. That was the, the upside of everything that I went through is that um, my, my agent wanted um, very light changes, which I went through in about, six weeks and ditto when it went to the publisher, they bought it and they had, uh, there were things I needed to do um, certainly, but it wasn't one of these experiences, which, you know, friends have had where they're working with an agent for a year. It was a period or, or an editor for, you know, for months and months. It was just uh, like, again, six weeks. Yeah. And so, but through getting the agent and working with the development editor, how did you keep the faith? Like, how did you keep going with your book and finding the energy again and, and not burning it and, and deciding to join the Peace Corps or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I just liked it. Um, I, and, and I, I, I wanted it to, to succeed. And, and I did get, um, thankfully, very positive feedback from the developmental editor, from other readers who said, it, you know, it's, it's there. It's almost there somebody's gonna somebody's gonna love this and eventually somebody did love it when that was yeah wonderful. and it helps your book is also funny um so you could keep your sense of humor with that I, I didn't finish an earlier thought with developmental editors um again when you look online for them you'll find lists of thousands and I think it can be kind of confusing so I do recommend getting recommendations from fellow writers or even from writers organizations. Um, and uh, I, I recently saw a Twitter th a thread from a literary writer who was asking other writers, hey, hive mind, do you recommend certain developmental editors and certain names came up um, and they they looked great. So so that you can you can just use that you can use social media, you can use Facebook to get a lot of um, uh, feedback on certain editors and and then hopefully they are more affordable but but different editors will charge different things and it can it can be expensive it can um, be and, and I, I would also recommend myself doing a test chapter with that editor just say yes. would you be willing to you know spend can I pay you fifty dollars to look at this chapter and see what you would do and then you'll know Right. Just to have some idea of what their feedback is going to be. And even if you're on the same page, that's perfect. Um, and so Rita, then with you, after you, you hated the book, so how did, again, did you find the energy or the interest or the wherewithal to, to keep going with it? Um, two things. I, I, to answer your earlier question, yes, I did stay with that agent. Yeah. Um, and she the thing I love about my agent is she is a, a the consummate um, cheerleader. You know, she's always checking in, always emailing. Um, you know, whenever there were these moments of doubt and there were, that was almost probably ubiquitous. There were nothing but moments of doubt. You know, she was always, I don't even understand it. Let's go, let's go. Uh, in addition, I had a wonderful team at um, McMillan um, and I've heard some horror stories. So I, 
I can't, it's particularly going in so naive, I can't stress how, um, how important that is and how blessed I've been with that. But the other thing is, I hate writing. I really yeah. do. I, I can't stand it. I love revising. Right. Yeah. Um, so to be hand, to, for me to be handed this, you know, 200 page, 250 page manuscript, it felt like I was outside my own body. And it was like, this is fun. I could make it better like this. And I could do this. And having read through it. So I was very excited about it, especially since I knew I could turn it, thought I could turn it into something completely different and a lot better. Yeah, great. And so people are asking in the chat, well, what questions do we ask for agents or what questions do we ask of editors? So I, again, I always say, well, ask for the agent, are they willing to go to the smaller houses? Do they seem to um, see you as a, as a career writer? Do they want to work with you for several books or are they just looking at the one book? Nancy, what are some other things that you thought of in terms of agents and editors that you, the questions that you were asking? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the things I asked was how much revision they, they wanted to make for my manuscript. Um, and it's not that more revision is a bad thing. As you've often said, Michelle, it's, if somebody doesn't want any revision on your book, you, you need to look at them suspiciously. They, they should want to, yeah, yeah. They, they should be invested in, they want to make some changes, but also, you know, ask about their working style, ask, um, you know, do you, make sure you're on the same page in terms of do they prefer email or phone calls? Um, yeah. How long, how long will they keep submitting your manuscript? Maybe you said that after, after somebody, after the first round, you know, doesn't produce anything, will they keep sending it out for a year, you know, longer? Will they work with you on revisions? Yeah, yeah. And um, I also think there can be sometimes very different communication styles between the writer and the agent and the editor. So you might want to ask, like, how do you handle communication? Do you communicate a lot with your clients or do you not? Um, so if yours is sort of person that is particularly anxious and, and likes a lot of communication, um, you know, how, how do they handle giving you feedback? How do they handle telling you what the editors are saying? Um, how often are they in touch with you? So like Rita said, her, um, was it, I think it was your agent that was in touch with you every six months, which is great. And it means, yeah. it, and that sort of thing is like, oh, she remembers me. She, you know, I'm still alive. Uh, <laughs> um, and Rita, were there questions that you wished you had asked? Or did you so, kind of like um, your naivete? I mean, sometimes it's nice to go in blind, like, hey, whatever happens. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all good. <laughs> um, so one of the things that my agent does, and, and maybe everyone's does too, which I wouldn't have known to ask, but I would now ask if it ever came up again, is she had sort of a whole submission marketing plan, right? So um, she sent me, um, she would send me a printout of, on the February 3rd, these are the houses, almost like a spreadsheet of submissions, responses, contact people at the houses. Um, and the other thing that I found to be interesting was um, I became aware over time how ingrained, you know, what is her background? You know, how did you come into it? Some of them come in as junior agents, some of them come in from, you know, teaching, or some of them come in as, you know, from, um, just straight out of college. So I think it's important to know, you know, and they may not tell you, but you can research that, what their background is. Because what the other advantage of, of my agent was she had been a junior agent, had been in acquisitions at another house. So she had all these connections 
which I think kind of greases the way sometimes. Yes. Um, it's, it's important to have someone that has connections. If you're a, a brand new grad out of college living in Iowa, you're going to have a different experience with that agent, I, I believe, than someone who's kind of enmeshed in the, in the business. Because you yourself as a writer don't have those connections, maybe. And so you right. need so the agent can help. Okay, we're going to have to wrap it up and get these folks to the writing desk. Uh, everyone, you can find our full March writing challenge schedule on our Substack page at 7amnovelist.substack.com. You can subscribe there for updates and take part in the discussion. You can also find the podcast version of these webinars on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and even review our podcast and other people can actually find us. It makes us look very special if you rate and review our podcast. Okay, ladies, what are you, are you gonna be able to get some writing done today, Nancy? Um, it's possible, it's possible I'm on vacation, but I'm gonna try to, to uh, think about things at, at the very least. Take some, yeah, little notes and little mental notes. notes. Nancy's actually in the Bahamas. I'm, I'm outing her for that. So she's, she's, she's having fun. Rita, how about you? Well, I'm actually on a deadline. Well, I've actually gone through three deadlines. So I'm going to go and get hyper, hyper caffeinated and hopefully get some words down on the page. That's amazing. Okay, good luck with those deadlines. That's fantastic. Okay, ladies, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for being with us. And I hope you have a wonderful writing day.